So here's the call I get all the time. The nurse finds the patient on the floor, unresponsive. The question is, what happened right before they hit the ground? Did they stand up too quick and got orthostatic hypotension and syncopized? Were they heading back from the bathroom and got bad news on the phone and syncopized? Did they have an arrhythmia while walking and syncopized? Or did they have a seizure and this unresponsiveness is their post-ictal state? That is the question. Welcome to the Rapid Response RN Podcast, helping you keep your finger on the pulse of your patient's condition with real-life stories from the front lines of nursing. This podcast can help you sharpen your assessment skills, improve your ability to recognize the signs and symptoms of your patient's decline, be inspired to speak up and advocate, and know how to jump into action to promote the best outcome for your patients. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. Today's show is part one of a four-part series on syncope. Syncope is one of the top reasons I get called to rapid responses, but there are so many possible reasons why someone would have syncope. And obviously, the treatments are different depending on the reason for the syncope. So knowing the possible sources for why your patient passed out can help you gather the data that you need to rule out options, guide you towards figuring out what happened to your patient, and help you anticipate what to do next. Literally any patient could syncopize, so you don't want to miss this patho breakdown. Before we get into the fun patho, I wanted to say thank you to those of you that have taken time to review my podcast. Reading your reviews just makes my day. Like this one from Cuba Moon. She said, Sarah has a way of taking complex medical pathologies and turning them into something that nearly anyone can understand. She's an incredible teacher. More than that, Sarah has a deep humanity and humor that comes through every episode. She speaks respectfully about patients, fellow nurses and personnel, and the interns and doctors. I have listened to every episode, and I've never heard Sarah speak about anyone or any situation without compassion, understanding, and awe. She's the gold standard for nurses, and I am so thankful she has endeavored to share herself with the world. Pass her podcast on to fellow healthcare providers. The more people who hear Sarah, the better our healthcare system will be. Cuba Moon, thank you for your kind words. You have perfectly captured the very reasons I wanted to make this podcast in the first place, to help nurses understand the complex pathophysiologies and inspire them to speak up and advocate with compassion. I am so glad to hear that that is what's coming through to your earbuds. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You have absolutely made my day. Anyone else listening, I would love to hear your feedback too. You can write a review or message me on Instagram at the Rapid Response RN. Now on to the episode. So one thing we need to clear up first is when it is syncope versus when it is a seizure, because they can look the same sometimes. The definition of syncope is a temporary loss of consciousness caused by a fall in blood pressure. While a seizure is a sudden burst of uncontrolled electrical activity between brain cells. So here's the call that I get all the time. The nurse finds the patient on the floor, unresponsive. The question is, what happened right before they hit the ground? Did they stand up too quick and got orthostatic hypotension and syncopized? Were they heading back from the bathroom and got bad news on the phone and syncopized? Did they have an arrhythmia while walking and syncopized? Or did they have a seizure and this unresponsiveness is their post-ictal state? That is the question. 
So let's talk through some of the clues that I will look for to figure out what happened. All right, so if we arrive and the nurse tells me this patient has a history of epilepsy, well, they most likely had a seizure and this is their postictal state. You know, postictal states can last between five and 30 minutes and the patient can be completely unresponsive even to painful stimuli sometimes in that postictal uh, period. There's a lot of things that people will look to, assuming that it means, oh, they must have had a seizure, one of which is urinary incontinence. They're like, oh, they're incontinent. They must have had a seizure. But people can also be incontinent with syncope as well. So that's not really the best indicator. Another common one they'll ask is, oh, do they have any tongue biting? Well, technically, you can bite your tongue if you are falling to the floor unexpectedly. So you need to dig a little deeper on that one. Did the patient bite the tip of their tongue? That's probably syncope. But if they have a lateral tongue bite, like on one side or the other, that very likely is a seizure. Another really valuable thing is to see if there's any bystanders that saw the patient whenever they passed out. A lot of times people will say, oh, they had a seizure because they were jerking. But myoclonic jerks do happen sometimes with syncope. It's not necessarily from a seizure. So what I have learned is the 10-20 rule. If a patient has less than 10 jerking movements, we would say, mm, that's probably syncope. But if they're having more than 20, that doesn't usually happen with syncope. This is most likely seizure-like activity. So the 10-20 rule again is less than 10 jerking movements. Once the patient passed out, you probably lean towards syncope. Greater than 20, most likely a seizure. I actually encounter this a lot where the family member or the um, sitter or someone else saw the event and they're like, oh, they had a seizure, had a seizure. I wouldn't just go straight down the seizure path and start giving the patient out of van, dig a little bit deeper and try to figure out how many jerks do they see? What do the jerks look like? Um, that really will help guide your therapy for the patient. Another good thing is, you know, when the patient comes to, ask if they had any dyspnea or fright or lightheadedness prior to the loss of consciousness, all those things would lead you to think, okay, this is probably syncope and not a seizure. So now that we've cleared that up, here's what we wanted to talk about in the coming episodes. So there are three categories of syncope. The first is reflex syncope, the second being orthostatic syncope, and the third is cardiovascular. So our big goal, once we've ruled out seizure as the option, is to figure out is this a cardiac thing or a non-cardiac thing. So our non-cardiac options are reflex syncope, which would be like your vasovagal from bearing down, or situational, like when the patient is scared or they got bad news or they had a sight of blood or <laughs> crowded hot places, something that was overwhelming to their system when they pass out, um, or carotid sinus hypersensitivity. Um, some patients will actually have these long, like three or more second pauses of asystole. So that would be your reflex syncope causes. The next would be orthostatic syncope. This is probably what I see the most, honestly. So where the patient has lightheadedness when changing from um, lying to sitting or standing. Uh, this is often from fluid losses like overdiuresis, uh, vomiting and diarrhea. They've been MPO for too long without replacement or some sort of intravascular fluid shifting like after surgery. Um, orthostatic vital signs, 
isn't necessarily the best indicator for this. We'll talk about this in future episodes, but just know there's also orthostatic syncope. And then finally would be cardiovascular syncope. That's when patients have dysrhythmias like a run of VTAC or bradycardia, or it could be mechanical in nature like a PE or cardiac tamponade or aortic stenosis. So this was just a primer just to get you interested in syncope. But before I do my three case studies on syncope, which are the next three episodes, I wanted you just to be able to differentiate syncope versus seizures because they often do present so similarly. So if you want to hear the real life examples of rapid response calls that I went on for each of these three categories, then go ahead and subscribe to the show so that you can know when the next episode drops. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email with questions or comments, and it would mean so much if you could take a moment to write a review on iTunes, as this helps more listeners find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport, so trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. You've been listening to the Rapid Response RN Podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing, and your patient's care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponsernpodcast at gmail.com or on the Rapid Response RM Podcast Facebook page, as well as the podcast website, rapidresponsern.com.